question. Is the church a cruise ship or a battleship? You see, in America, we've got it in our heads that I go to a place that serves me when in reality, Christ has said, you serve. The scriptures even tell us that my job and the job of evangelists and teachers and everybody else is to equip the saints. That means all of us, me, you, everybody who's saved, to do the work of the ministry. It's not on one man. It's on a congregation of people. So this morning, as we continue on with our <clears throat> series in 1 Corinthians, we're going to talk about true spirituality. And we're in 1 Corinthians 14, so if you have your Bibles turned there, it'll be on the screen. And I'm going to tell you a little story. A man down on his luck went into a church which catered to the spiritually well-to-do people, if you know what I mean. We used to call those the first church of the frozen chosen, but uh, y'all get that on the way home. Spotting the man's dirty clothes, the deacon worried about the church's image. And he went to the man and he asked him if he needed help. And the man said, I was praying and the Lord told me to come to this church. And the deacon suggested that maybe he should go pray some more. And possibly he might get a different answer. Well, the next Sunday, the man returned and the deacon asked, did you get a different answer? The man replied, yes, I did. I told that the Lord that they don't want me in that church. And the Lord said, don't worry about it, son. I've been trying to get into that church for years and haven't made it yet. <laughs> Paul preached the gospel, by the way, in Corinth in the early 50s. He had a lot of opposition, we know that, and the Lord told him, stay anyway. And so he did for about 18 months. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, I'll initially be reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible, and it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. You turn me down a little bit. I'm getting some feedback up here. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There it may be so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel." Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. 
Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the unformed say, Amen, at your giving of thanks? Since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. And I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. That's a lot of scripture today, but we're going to break it down and take it as a whole and hit the high points. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word, written so many years ago, over thousands of years, Lord, and, and over so many books, 66, are so cohesive, so inspired, so powerful, that they are inerrant, and Lord, that we can live our life thereby. Lord, we praise you and bless you as best we can. And now, Lord, I ask that you would use me to speak your word this morning. In Jesus' name, Lord, we ask that you would bind the enemy for our sake. Amen. True spirituality seeks to edify the church, see change in other people, and share the gospel. That's true spirituality. Edifying the church, seeing people changed, and share the gospel. First of all, let's talk about that first statement. True spirituality seeks to edify or build up the church. 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5 first, but I'll be reading out the New Living Translation for that. And it says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Since people won't be able to understand you, you'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Over the last few weeks, we've seen Paul bring a... How do I put it? We've seen Paul bring a close to his initial thoughts on the spiritual gifts back in 1 Corinthians 12. So if you missed that, you should go back on the website and take a look at that. We talked about true tongues, false tongues, true gifts, false gifts. All of those things were there. But what did he say? Well, we know last week he said, but I show you a more excellent way. And we know that that way is love, and that love is agape. And we discussed what all that meant last week. In the thought of loving each other and loving the church, Paul has now started to set in order how these people should operate in the gifts of the Spirit in the church setting. And as a church, we've talked about false gifts. We've talked about why they're so prevalent. We've talked about why they they really speak to people of America, mostly because They're fleshly when they're false. And we compared it to the true gift of the Spirit and the true gifts of the Spirit. And Paul reminds us what the purpose of these gifts are for in today's Scripture. We're told to let love be our highest goal. The New King James says, pursue love. Pursue agape. In what ways does Paul say to pursue love in this topic? He says to this church, 
which had become so out of order, so out of whack, as we would say, in the arena of spiritual gifts, especially the gift of tongues, to pursue prophecy. Prophecy here is not some super spiritual thing where someone in a cape comes in unto the future and tells you your future. That is not what's at stake here. The original Greek word says to prophesy is to speak under the influence of divine inspiration with or without reference to the future or spiritual events. It's to make inspired utterances. That is not the same as how the authors of the Bible were inspired to write the scriptures, but it is inspiration. You know that, for example, there are times when you witness to someone and all of a sudden those scriptures that you need are right there, right at your fingertips, right at your tongue. You may never have used a particular scripture in your witnessing efforts before, and then all of a sudden, that scripture just comes right up. You've read it a hundred times, but you never really put it into use or, or purposely committed it to memory, but it was right there when you needed it. You remember it all of a sudden. Folks, that is prophecy. It is speaking under the influence of divine inspiration. That's just an example of one gift, or one part of that gift. It's not the guys who claim to tell the future and are never right. Or they're so vague you can interpret what they say in a thousand different ways, and one of those ways may fit your circumstance. If you don't believe me, there's a 400-year-old series of scrolls out there by a guy who I think was insane called Nostradamus. You could take those and make them say whatever you want. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. You ever wonder why there's so much emphasis on the gift of tongues? Ever wonder why there's so much emphasis on it today in what we call popular Christianity? Now, I can't be dogmatic about what I'm about to say, but here's some thoughts on the whole subject from my study and many times I've studied, it comes down to one thing. It comes down to accountability. You see, if I'm speaking in a tongue, whether it's real or fake, who am I accountable to? Only to God, right? But you're not going to know that. Paul says that no one understands you. If it's real, then I'm speaking mysteries unto God, and no one in the church is edified because they have no understanding of what I'm talking about. If it is false, then who can stand up and say it's false since you have no understanding of it? I went to a church service one time on a Friday night. By the way, I'm not saying anything wrong with Friday night services. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong, okay? But I found a lot of times Friday night services, you, can, you will see some weird stuff at the end of the week. People are tired and they nutty. Yeah, when it's on a full moon, he's right. It's worse than that. Uh, but no, I went up there and I was sitting in the back and, and this was a, a little church, you know, one of them community kind of churches. And it was packed to the gills. They had all of about 40 people because uh, that's as big as the church was. And uh, there's praising and worshiping. And I'm like, yeah, this is good music. All right. They're singing. They're loving the Lord. All of a sudden, their pastor gets up there and starts speaking in gibberish. And then he goes, I'll let the Holy Spirit interpret that to you. That's not what the scripture says. 
I said, dude, I'm out. See ya. No, I really didn't. I stayed to the end of service. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Remember what the purpose of a believer to the church? What is our purpose? To show love, agape, unconditional, I love you just because kind of love. That's our purpose. A person who prophesies speaks under divine inspiration. They strengthen the church. What we do in Sunday morning Bible study, guess what? Those are divine words that are written in the Scriptures. They strengthen the church. What I'm doing right now, I pray the Lord is strengthening the church. Someone speaking in tongues, whether true or false, guess what? Strengthens themselves. Strengthens themselves. And I like how the NKGB renders this better. Verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. What is edify or edification? That's a word we don't use much anymore. But in its most simplest form, it simply means to build up, to draw attention to something. You're building something up and drawing attention to that. When a new home goes in, they're building it up and your attention is drawn to that. Sometimes your attention's like, wasn't that a swamp like three months ago? That foundation's going to be awesome in about a year. And sometimes it's like, man, that's a nice house. It means to build up. One who speaks in a tongue draws attention to themselves. But one who prophesies draws attention and builds up the church. Can you see the connection? Why are so many so-called Christians obsessed with false tongues? Because it draws attention to the one doing it. It causes them to be seen as something special. It caters to the person's ego. It's all about them. It is completely and wholly fleshly, not spiritual. We seek to walk in love and build the church in love, not in flesh fits, as I call them, not in showmanship, but through the power of the Holy Spirit's love. Let us seek love in the church and not draw attention away from the triune God by seeking ourselves, but bring attention to God by seeking only the love of God in His church, which is the people of God. 1 Corinthians 14.5 says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. It's all about the church, the people. We call this building a church, but it's really not. You're the church if you're saved. Paul says prophecy is greater than tongues unless that tongue is truly interpreted. Unfortunately, true interpretation cannot happen when someone is speaking falsely. A flesh fit can't be interpreted. It can be prayed for, but it can't be interpreted. A true tongue is without interpretation, profits no one except the person speaking. That's it. 
you know, in all my years as a Christian and, and going to different church services, I have only seen the gift of the Spirit truly used in the service properly one time. Once. We were in a worship service at a men's conference, and all of a sudden this guy in the back starts... I'm, I'm thinking, uh-oh, here we go, some more gibberish, right? This guy up in the front had the interpretation. And you could literally sense the power of the Holy Spirit on that. You could literally sense it. It does exist, but I think it's pretty rare today. You know why we don't see a rash of prophecy like we do tongues today? I said it before. Accountability. If I turn to you and say that God has revealed a new teaching to me or has shown me something about the future even, then I am accountable to my own words, aren't I? I can be held accountable by the leadership of the church and other believers. But even this is not always the case today. You see, you have a movement now that says that they can, that they can prophesy and you can, and you can be wrong and tell somebody something wrong and it's okay. You just missed it. That's not what the Scripture says. No, it's not all right to say God says something when He didn't say it. You better be careful there. That's called false prophecy. You know what they did to false prophets in the Old Testament? They killed them. They stoned them to death. They didn't say, that's all right, He just got it a little wrong. No, they died. False prophets were to be killed for daring to speak for God when they weren't really speaking for God. I know of a pastor who invited a so-called prophet into his church once, and the guy told a couple they should sell all their goods and join Joyce Meyer Ministry. And after that guy left, the pastor said, Don't do it, and I wished I'd never invited this guy into my church. But you know what they did? They didn't listen. They sold all they had, and they went out to Joyce Meyer Ministries, and the ministry never paid them anything, didn't use them for anything. They lost their house, they lost their livelihoods, and they owned nothing and ended up in divorce, bitter toward God and out of the church. Why? Because some guy had a flesh fit. And he hurt people's spirituality. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That is not God's truth. That is the fruit of flesh, and may I say it, the fruit of the devil. How many cults have started because some guy calling himself a prophet calls people to himself and then the next thing you know, you're hearing about some compound on the news in the middle of nowhere being raided. I can name three off the top of my head. No, the strongest form of prophecy we have today is God's word, the Bible. Anything that goes against that should never be listened to. We should know our Bible inside and out so that anyone who tries to twist the Scripture to fit their own evil agendas can't draw us away from God. We need to know our Bibles. We need to know what we believe. We need to practice what we believe. And number two, true spirituality seeks to see change in others. True spirituality seeks to see change in others. 1 Corinthians 14, 6. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you, speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? 
But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, now that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly, or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they are being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you, since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives. Seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Now Paul is giving a a what-if scenario. Paul likens tongues to an instrument. If the instrument is played correctly, then it inspires people to serve God. It edifies them. It builds them up in their spirituality. But if it's just noise, it does nothing other than draw attention to the person or the church playing that noise. You know, I was on my way, and I don't want to offend people. Today's Christian music is just as valid as the old hymns, for the most part. There's a lot of old hymns that were scripturally wrong, and there's a lot of today's Christian music I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole and a 30-foot extender. Wow, I thought that'd be funnier, but never mind. Um, (laughs) A.W., I feel your pain. (laughs) Um, As long as it's got rhythm. (laughs) Um, but no, I was, we were on the way here and I have, um, Spotify and I put it on my phone when we're on the way here and we listen to Christian music and and worship music and all of a sudden this music comes on and it's got a good beat and then he starts singing a beautiful song and I'm like, man, this has such deep spiritual richness to it. This is amazing. And then I realized it's because it's a hymn. It's something they redid. Never mind. (laughs) All they did was they took the old hymn, took it out of 4-4 time, and added some new music to it. Sounded great to me. I'm okay with that. But I figured you'd get a kick out of that. (laughs) Well, well, anyway. Um, I can tell you, though, that working at a school, uh, that if a kid gets into the concert, you know they have these concerts twice a year, I love going to the concerts and seeing my kids play, and so do you, but not necessarily other kids play, because they just end up making noise, and it throws the whole thing off. It sounds terrible. Um, You know, same too with tongues, unless it's actually from God, unless it's actually, even if it is from God, interpreted. It's just the church... And Corinthians was so eager for spiritual gifts, he says they should bring revelation. Well, what is that? It's something that God reveals to them. Sounds easy, doesn't it? It's because it is. Well, how do we see that today? Here's an example. You ever read a passage or a verse a hundred times, and then all of a sudden it jumps out at you, and you think it's like the best thing since sliced bread. And you share it with everybody. That is revelation, folks. You truly get it now. I mean truly get it. There's, there's no other way to say it. I mean deep down in your heart. You truly get that now. 
And a lot of times it's like, ha, I got it, Lord. Uh, forgive me. Because, you know, he convicts of sin. But not every time. So that's good. But that is revelation by the Holy Spirit. He says they should bring some, some special knowledge or even teaching or a prophecy to the church. A good special knowledge example would be, have you ever had a time when you were, you were going about your day and all of a sudden you feel this overwhelming urge to stop and pray? And I know some of you do because you've told me. You do, and you find out later that the person you were praying for just narrowly missed some tragic event. And it was at the exact same time you were praying. That is an example of special knowledge. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit. A good example of Spirit-inspired teaching or prophecy would be those times when the Lord leads you to teach or preach or share a particular scripture, and someone, if not more than one person, says, you know what? That was meant for me. God really changed my thinking on this. Or, or if you hadn't shared that, I would have ended up doing something sinful. But now, I know I really shouldn't. You know, a good example of this, when I was coming up in the youth group, I had a friend, and unbeknownst to anybody, um, the pastor on a Sunday morning, changed his sermon. And he said, I kept trying to go with, with, the, with this topic that we've been on, but I can't do it, and I don't know why, so I'm going to preach it. And part of that sermon talked about purity. And this friend of mine was going to give herself to another boy in the youth group. And then she said, after that service, she confided in me, I'm not going to do that. It stopped her. That's amazing. That's God. You know, true spirituality, number three, teaches and shares the gospel. True spirituality teaches and shares the gospel. 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says, So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God. Now, listen to this statement. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. So for all these tongues being spoken, and this has got to be a big issue for Paul to spend, oh, three, four chapters on this? For all these tongues being spoken in this church, Paul says, cut it out, unless you or someone else can interpret what's being said. And not only that, Paul says that if he prays in tongues, it's between his spirit and God. But not even he understands what's being said. Paul speaks for himself when he says, what, what should I do? Well, I will pray and sing in tongues and with words I understand. Paul says that if you sing and pray and praise in tongues, but no one understands, what good is it? You can, it's none. No one else can join you because they don't understand. How can two or more agree if they can't understand each other? 
And in Matthew 18, 19 and 20, it says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now Paul's going to say something that, when I first read it, shocked me. And you know, it kind of does, even today. When you look at 1 Corinthians 14, 18, it says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with understanding that I may teach others than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Paul states that he speaks with tongues more than all of them. You know, that shocks me seeing how much tongues, false or real tongues, whatever they be, was happening in the church at Corinth. That's a lot of tongues. Now, some say he was using hyperbole, but that doesn't jive. If that were the case, then the second part of the statement would be hyperbole also, and so would the following passage, where he sets in order the use of spiritual gifts, which we will get into next week on how they should be used in the church. No, Paul was not being hyperbolic, folks. He meant what he wrote, that he speaks with tongues more than them. But that shouldn't be the focus. Notice he says it, but his focus isn't there in the the way that it's written. The focus is on what he said next. Yet in church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in the tongue. The focus there is on building the church. The focus is on agape. It is more loving to build the church up, to edify the church, than it is to edify yourself. It is more desirable to teach others than it is to draw attention to yourself. You would think that someone who spoke in another language that is not his own by the power of God would put a strong emphasis on the church or put a strong emphasis on this gift, but he doesn't. He puts the emphasis on the church. He puts the emphasis on the believers in the church and the gospel to be brought forth to the unbeliever. If he's doing that, shouldn't we do so also? Shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we put an emphasis on the gospel? Shouldn't we put an emphasis on teaching what the Bible says rather than having a feel-good thing? Spin around, drop, jump down, go home, and nothing's changed. You're still the same old person you were when you walked through the door. No, thank you. I want to be changed by the Spirit of God through His Word. Shouldn't we seek to live the life of Christ in our lives daily and build the church rather than build ourselves? Shouldn't we be spreading the gospel of agape, peace between God and man through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross? True love is telling people that they're going to die and go to hell without Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. That's not mean. It's not hate speech. I don't care what the world says. That's love. That's love. Follow the Spirit's leading in that. If you remember nothing, remember this. True spirituality seeks to edify the church, not themselves to see change in others, and to share the gospel. How about you today as our singers come?